0: In data protection, this devil is in the details. I think that for the supervisor authorities as well, too, it's very important to have this balanced uh, and common
1: sense approach. Yeah, Katarina, I have a question. So earlier you were talking about the amount of responsibility that you have in your role as an organization, so as a supervisory authority representing people's protection of data, and then you are actually the leader of that organization. And not just that, you also have to represent Latvia on the European Data Protection Board. How do you sleep at night? Very peacefully. (laughs) (laughs) Are you ready to know what you don't know about Privacy Pros? Then you're in the right place.
2: Welcome to the Privacy Pros Academy podcast by KZN Privacy Experts. The podcast to launch, progress and excel your career as a privacy pro.
1: Hear about the latest news and developments in the world of privacy.
2: Discover fascinating insights from leading global privacy professionals.
1: And hear real stories and top tips from the people who've been where you want to get to.
2: We're an official IAPP training partner.
1: We've trained people in over 137 countries and countries.
2: So, whether you're thinking about starting a career in data privacy, or you're an experienced professional, This is the podcast for you.
3: Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Privacy Pros Academy podcast. My name is Jamila, and I am your podcast host. With me today as my co-host is Jamal Ahmed, Fellow of Information Privacy and CEO at KZM Privacy Experts. Jamal is an astute and influential privacy consultant, strategist, board advisor, and Fellow of Information Privacy. He's a charismatic leader, progressive thinker and innovator in the privacy sector who directs complex global privacy programs. He's a sought after commentator contributing to the BBC, ITV News, Euronews, Talk Radio, The Independent and The Guardian amongst others. Hi Jamal. Hey
1: Jamila. How are you? I'm recovering from some kind of a cold or a virus, but you know what men are like when we get head cold, so uh, I've had better days, but I, I'm, I'm so excited because, well, I'm not going to give away who the guest is just yet. We're going to be speaking to someone who sits on the European Data Protection Board, and I've also had the pleasure of being hosted by her uh, for a lovely dinner and lots of nice conversations, so I'm looking forward to Continuing that conversation.
3: Uh, before we get to our guest today, you were recently involved in a tribunal. Tell us more about that, and you
1: won it. Yes, yeah, so I took my local council, and for those people who don't know what local council is, like your local municipality, and one of the uh, responsibilities they have, one of the things they do is parking enforcement. The only challenge is this local council; they've actually been taking advantage of residents and giving illegal parking tickets out. And so, what they've been doing on my street is they have there's a bit opposite my house where you could park on the pavement. And so I park on my drive, but some of my neighbors, they park on the pavement. They Mm -hmm. might have two cars, they might have visitors, uh, or they might have a skip because they're doing some work. And what they've been doing for the last couple of months is they come around late at night, uh, like eight o'clock in the evening, and they'll give parking tickets to people. And then when people appeal those tickets, they give them a template response. And most people just leave it at that. They don't really challenge it. Mm -hmm. And one of my neighbors, um, he recently lost his wife. Um, He's he's quite old and uh, he's deaf as well. And they were just really taking advantage of vulnerable people. So I thought, you know what? It's time to do something. So one night I decided I'm going to leave my park across the street. I got the ticket. I went through the process. They gave me the same template response. But what they weren't ready for was for the tribunal. So I went to tribunal. I presented the facts to the, the, the person presiding over it. And they was like, we completely agree with you. This is complete violation. Mm-hmm. I said, but this is what they're doing across the whole neighborhood. It's, it's not just me. Like I'm here because I'm trying to make a point. It's a matter of principle. So then they gave them an instruction, which is binding to refund every single person who's got a similar ticket and to either clearly mark the pavement or to stop issuing those tickets. So it was a victory for the neighbourhood. Wow, well done. But I mean, look, as privacy professionals, this is what we stand up for, right? We stand up for truth, we stand up for justice, and we're there to make sure that we're helping and serving. But when, when you see something wrong in front of you and you see people are taking advantage and you know you've got the capabilities to do something about it, I think it's our responsibility to do so.
3: I agree with you there. Right, so what's coming up today? We've got a great podcast as uh, Jamal briefly mentioned earlier. We're going to be talking about the conference that Jamal mentioned he spoke at uh, in Latvia. We're going to be talking about the importance of personal data protection in the daily life and lots, lots more. So let me introduce our guest today. Our guest is YeKaterina Matzuka and she is Director of the Data State Inspector of the Republic of Latvia, She has previously held positions as Head of the Unit of Policy Development and Religious Affairs at the Ministry of Justice of the Republic of Latvia and as the Resident twinning advisor at the EU Twinning Project Capacity Building with the National Centre for Personal Data Protection of Moldova. She's an experienced policy director with a demonstrated history of working in the government administration industry. She's skilled in data privacy, government, European law, international negotiations and legal writing. She's a strong business development professional with a master's degree focused in legal studies general from Latvijas University. I want to say. Did I say that right?
0: Latvian University. Latvian
3: University.
0: <laughs> well, welcome. Thank you so
3: much for joining us today. Hello uh,
0: for Jamila and Jamal, and For hello for everybody who is listening uh, to us now.
3: Uh, so as we always do on the podcast, we start off with an icebreaker question. So, would you rather spend a year on a spaceship or a year on a submarine? Oh.
0: I I, I either spend a year on a spaceship and either spend a year on a submarine. I either spend a year on a lonely island in some Caribbean sea. Okay. That would be very good.
3: (laughs) I like that. That That's a better response. I think I'd prefer that as well. I think I'd, I'd get too claustrophobic in a submarine or a spaceship.
1: What about you, Jamal? Uh, it depends what I have access to on the submarine or the ship. Really, I think I would get a bit seasick. Yeah, uh, it might get a bit scary down there because you know when you go down to the depths of the sea, it gets quite dark as well, doesn't it? Mm. Uh, whereas in space, at least you'll have some stars around you and you'll see uh, the sun every now and then. So I think based on those two, I'd probably go for the spaceship.
3: Interesting. Yeah. I'm 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 going on uh, the island with the Ekaterina. <laughs> Of oh, then we'll, there will be two of us and we
0: will have company and that's good.
3: <laughs> right. So let's get into the data privacy questions. So my first question for you is you're the director of the Data State Inspectorate of Latvia. Could you tell us a little bit more about your role and what kind
0: of things that it involves? Yeah, as as we know, in the European Union, we have a data protection regulation, like most famous words, I think, letters, uh, GDPR, because many people know these four words. Not uh, not always they know what does that mean, yeah. but these two, four letters, uh, everybody knows. So GDPR prescribes that each European Union country has their own supervisory authority. Uh, In Latvia, our supervisor authority is data state inspector, right? Mm -hmm. So what we are do, we are guardians uh, uh, of the GDPR in Latvia. Wow, that's a big responsibility. Uh, For me, it's really huge responsibility because it's not only responsibility on the people that we are working here, it's responsibility for the society. Mm -hmm. uh, Because when you work in the governmental sector, you are prime role and aim is to serve to the society mm-hmm. uh, so in order to fulfill and uh, their lives and, yeah. and make their lives more comfortable and, and better. So that's why you have this uh, quite um, I would say hard role uh, as a data protection supervisor authority mm-hmm. uh, because from one side you have this duty uh, to protect privacy. But from other side, uh, as we see in the real world, you're not always that good person mm. because sometimes uh, people underestimate the role and value of the privacy. And they say, like, you are just giving us obstacles and, and uh, not allow us to live uh, in a peace.
3: And is it something, data privacy in Latvia, was it something that was kind of put a lot more into the the public sphere by the gdpr or was before the gdpr were people still advocating for data privacy
0: as we were uh, from the 2000 2004 we were the eu country uh, eu member mm-hmm. uh, so the uh, directive 449546 40, uh, uh, was as well applicable in Latvian. yeah uh, and in this case we had our own national law but Uh, I would say that after the GDPR came into force, this attention from the private and governmental sector became more uh, visible, partially because of the fines that that we have for the private sector. Then they start to count it because before we had the rules on the data privacy, on the data protection. But for example, the biggest fine in Latvia was maybe like 5,000 euro. Which for the big companies, for the companies, not so big amount. Yeah. And many of them said, it's easy for us to pay this fine once in the seven years, then implement everything mm-hmm. according to the data protection rules. So, in this kind, when GDPR came in force, and it's not uh, 5,000 euro, it could be ten millions, yeah. And uh, this changed the thinking about the companies. It's uh, one. And another, as I said previously, this understanding about the value of privacy is rising among the people, and the people start to have more attention uh, for the companies who respect their rights. Mm-hmm. And this is how the respect of the company comes, and if the people respect the company more, they will become the clients. If they see that company does not respect their right, they will abandon this company.. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, 100% agree with a lot of those points um, you've made there, Katerina. And I think the most important thing to understand is before the GDPR came into force, it wasn't unusual where companies would kind of have a fund where they would put a little bit of money in for any data protection related fines. Um, Before the GDPR, there wasn't really that many newspapers or media outlets reporting on this kind of stuff. And the paradigm I found most people living in it was people were starting to become aware of privacy, but it didn't mean anything to anyone. But what we're seeing is a shift now where people are actually valuing the privacy. People want control over the personal information because people are seeing how it's being used against other people, how they become victims and how all of this digital data is so easily accessible and available and just the extent of the damage. Uh, it could cause. And what Yekaterina has really uh, pointed out very well there is individuals that value their privacy, and we can see more and more people are valuing their privacy, they will actually look for those companies that they can trust with their personal information. And so... GDPR, data protection, it's not about being a blocker for companies not being able to do stuff, but it's about how do you actually then use this to put your company or your organization in the position where you can cultivate that trust, inspire confidence, and ultimately maximize the impact you have by winning more customers and clients.
0: And what one thing that I want to add, uh, and in all of the things, uh, we have to have this common sense and balance. D- data protection is important, but I think that what we have to look at the global picture and uh, we have to look for these things and the implementation of the data rules with a real common sense. So what is important? Uh, what is the priority? Where are the most people are involved? And for me, of course, uh, it's a priority to have checks an, um, and balances on the big companies. So in, in general, uh, how they treat this data Because what I see as well as a supervisor authority that we have quite many complaints of people when they try to find, you know, these little tiny things in the GDPR and and start arguing that company have to do this or governmental sector have to do this because there is some tiny things in the GDPR. But afterwards, when you start to talk to this person, it's not data protection they're interested in. They are just uh, angry on the company or angry on the governmental sector. They want to have this satisfied. And so they find this GDPR. You didn't inform me, like, like not even informed. You didn't ask my permission or something. And then we have to explain something. But sometimes that if there is a governmental sector and uh, this prescribed by law, there is no your permission needed. And, and because we still did, the GDPR does not prohibit to process data. Judy Perrin just said the, bar, uh, the rules you, mm-hmm. that you have to implement when you process data. And I think that for the supervisor authorities as well, to, it's very important to have this balanced uh, and common sense
1: approach. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, Katerina, on that uh, balanced approach, I want to ask you, um, and feel free to decline to answer, about a recent enforcement action we saw from the AEPD so they find a mail delivery company for leaving a parcel with someone's next door neighbor, and talking about common sense approach, how do you feel about that? I'm
0: feel puzzled. I will be honest with you uh, because I haven't read this case uh, because in what what is important in data protection uh, that in data protection this devil is in the details, and so uh, in order to have uh, real comments or opinion on some case, you have to know these details because depending on these details, it will be okay or not okay. So in this case, I think it's uh, important to check if this system of the company is built as such that it allows to give uh, the names, surnames uh, of the receivers to other people to third party, like to transmit this data to third parties or this is what the human mistake or human behavior of one person and in this case i would say that uh, for me if it's human mistake of the person then we cannot uh, treat systematically from the company point of view because we all humans we we all can uh, have a mistakes and another point of view we had such cases when we had a claims from the people that say that there was the um, list of the names and surnames in the kindergarten group where the parents have to sign it and i have seen another parent's names and surnames and this is the, this is also so i got the data uh, that the kindergarten couldn't give uh, could not give me according to the gdpr but in this case if your child is going to the kindergarten group you know these people you know these parents so of course, you know their names and surnames. So from that list, you do not get any other information. And you cannot exaggerate all these requirements of the GDPR. And this is what I call this common sense and balance. So for me, if this is real human mistakes, and, and we have to take in account, uh, for example, if these neighborhoods are very new, you know each other, if they're friends, so... There is no new information that was given, but uh, if there is a systematic approach of the company, one company leaves your parcel next to the next door and says, "like please just get it." uh, uh, So this is then the systematic uh, mistake of the company.
1: Mm. Okay, thank you for sharing that, like. So what you're saying is, on the face of it you can't really see much harm in uh, delivering a parcel to your neighbor because they clearly know where you live um, and they're probably going to know what your names are. But it could be actually, we're missing some details, there could be a systematic problem with the actual provider, which might be what the AEPD has identified and until we get more clarity in those details, um, it's, it's really difficult. But it, it is it is quite positive. Yeah, Katarina, I have a question. So earlier you were talking about the amount of responsibility that you have in your role as an organization, so as a supervisory authority representing people's protection of data. And then you are actually the leader of that organization. And not just that, you also have to represent Latvia on the European Data Protection Board. How do you sleep at night? Very peacefully, <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> calm, peacefully. Uh, I think it's uh, for me, it's already from the studies time, I can sleep everywhere, you know, uh, even nice. when I'm standing. Yeah, <laughs> <If it's>, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but uh, when when you become... When you work, okay, I have a quite an experience of working in the governmental sector mm-hmm. uh, because previously I worked as, van, as well as the acting director of the Patent Office and the Board of Religion Affairs. So I have experience in the uh, leading of the governmental organizations and authorities. Mm-hmm. Nevertheless, I have uh, been <clears throat> in the process of the elaborating GDPR from the two, uh, 2012 from the beginning uh, because I was the exp- national expert from the Ministry of Justice in the DAPEX Working Party. Uh, so this field is known for me. And uh, what I'm trying to do now, I'm trying to look at the, this field from the different perspective. Because once when you are a policy maker, uh, you have this thought how you uh, want it to be. Uh, and as a data protection supervisor authority, you really take and do it. For me, is sometimes it's hard to <clears throat> to have this um, balance approach as well because mm-hmm. uh, I remember the discussions of the D- D- GDPR, DAPIC's Working Party. Mm-hmm. I remember what was possibly meant in the policymaking and, and now I'm seeing how it goes in the court decisions, how it goes in the practice. And sometimes uh, for me, I see that it goes differently in the practice uh, than maybe it was meant And uh, and what I'm like a little bit afraid of and what I try to do as a supervisory authority, really, and this is my two main words, have this common sense approach, Uh, because uh, I don't think that uh, even like GDPR was created to to make uh, the life of people heavier uh, Mm -hmm. to life of small and medium enterprises heavier, because if you have small bakery, which have the least uh, of the neighborhoods in the countryside to whom they provide the bread. I don't think that they need impact assessment, they, the protection inspe- uh, inspector or, or uh, even the register because this is too small. This is too small risks. And mm. But if we'll talk about the big companies, we, uh, we talk about the so big companies as Meta and Google, yeah, they have a big impact. Yeah. And they have to be those who implement GDPR, and they have to be those who show the examples to others. So for me, this is um, this is my my as well main task to switch maybe this attention from the very small or from neighborhood claims and discussions to bigger impact on the companies and um, that's what i'm trying to do sometimes it's hard uh, sometimes you feel very lonely because you're only one uh, sometimes uh, you want you, you try to do better but then there is like privacy also pros who says oh you are doing too, too small things you have to have yeah. fi- higher fines and then you have to be more tougher from other side you have uh, companies and business who say oh your fines it's too high and we do not Which know how to survive yes. <laughs> So you're always in the middle.
1: <laughs> yeah, there's, there's lots, lots, lots of uh, juggling, lots of balancing. But I, I, I really like your approach, and it's, it's the approach that we adopt with all of our clients. And so, look, we have to take a common-sense, risk-based approach, and we have to implement a practical and pragmatic solution to identify the risks. And it's interesting what you said, what the purpose of the GDPR was. And the way I see it, Ekaterina, is the purpose of the GDPR was to help businesses to understand how to be responsible with people's personal information so people can trust them with it and therefore they're more happy to share that information with the business so we can see more businesses prospering, so we can see more individuals getting the benefits from those businesses, so we can have this economic development across the whole of the European Union.
0: Yeah, I can fully agree with you. For me as well, this main aim of the GDPR to protect these human rights and uh, to make a uh, business to process the data properly according mm. to the rules and uh, transparently. So I, as a person, know that you are honest to me, that you will not use my data against me uh, mm. or you will not use my data in a such way to trick me or to influence my decisions not know, me not knowing about yeah. this. So this was the, and I think in this case, data protection has a, a little bit bigger role because uh, from the data processing, personal data processing depends not only privacy as such, depends many other rights. It's uh, even to like big right of the democracy rights to vote, for example, in the parliament or, municipi- or municipal municipal. Um, elections, because uh, when uh, my data is used like to profile me, to give me better information that uh, in artificial intelligence thinks I would like, so I get only this small amount of information, it could change my opinion on something, and I will go and I will vote for some things or some people for whom I would not be voting if my personal data would not be processing, or my uh, attitude or some hate speeches. So all of these things, uh, it influences, data processing influences my other rights. And Mm -hmm. this is the field, I think, that that's why GDPR was uh, created. So that processing would be as such uh, that do not influence in a negative way my other rights, that I will still have this... uh, Free choice, free will, free
1: understanding. That's very powerful even though you said it in such a nice calm way that is so powerful. The purpose of the GDPR is to make sure that when people are or businesses and organizations are handling your data they're not actually impacting and interfering on the other rights which they could inadvertently do by misusing or abusing uh, the personal information by learning how you behave by profiling you by trying to uh, use artificial intelligence to guess what might influence you to go a certain way or not, and we've seen that we've seen that with Cambridge Analytica, uh, both in the US and here in the UK as well. So what you're saying has a massive impact on democracy and also on um, lots of other areas as well. So it's very powerful, actually.
0: That's why I think that GDPR has to focus and supervisor authority has to focus on this bigger issue, bigger companies. And, and not maybe the quarrel between the two neighborhoods or on the, some web camera that was installed in the door, bell.
1: Yeah, I, I agree <laughs> with you. I, I agree with you. Uh, maybe the Spanish uh, supervisory authorities are listening as well and can give us a bit more clarification on that. Do you think, and please be free to decline to answer, but do you think some supervisory authorities where they receive the fines have ulterior motives?
0: Mm, how do you, how, I didn't really understand. So,
1: the, for example, in the UK, um, when the ICO goes and issues a fine against a company for violating data protection regulations, the Treasury will collect that fine. Whereas, let's say um, our friends in Spain, the AEPD, uh, they will actually collect the fines themselves. And we can see that they're one of the most aggressive supervisory authorities in Europe. Um, one has to ask the question uh, Does the fact that they collect the fines compared to some of the other supervisors who don't have any influence on how aggressive they are? I don't think that it have to
0: have influence because it would be uh, like an uh, honest. <laughs> uh, well, it's, it's like because an open it, checkbook. Yeah. It? <laughs> it's, you know, it have to be not depending on, on which budget this sum goes. Uh, you, as me, as a supervisor authority, have to be clear have to be uh, trustful and have to fulfill mm-hmm. the law. Like if, even if we put the fine about the breach, this fine, the aim of this fine to show the company that you were mistaken, you haven't done this correctly and now you have to do it correctly. And mm-hmm. this is like compensation for the society because you breached the rights of the society. So it's yeah. not because I want to have a higher salaries. Yeah, It's, 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 it's a different reason. So I think that different countries choose their own path, how to go with these fines. But uh, I don't, I really don't think that uh, this influence the actions uh, of the supervisor authority. What influence the actions of the supervisor authority is resources that is given from the country to to supervisor authority. The bigger supervisor authority is, uh, the more power they have, the more resources they have to have some checks to have... um, investigations. So this set the criteria when we want why some uh, institutions are more active uh, in this finding, because, uh, for example, our authority is very small authority. We have only uh, 34 people and we have to fulfill all the obligations, uh, the same that the supervisor authority in Spain or in Italy or in France, which have uh, quite more people. Uh, of course, we have a different amount of uh, of the citizens which we are taken care on, but still, uh, as a supervisor authority, it's data protection regulation, it's like some Schengen uh, investigation. So we have other functions as well, which is very similar to the all uh, institutions, even the participation, the EDPB level. so of mm. course the uh, we have like maybe only one person who is doing uh, international cooperation <laughs> and and this person is responsible for everything and they cannot mm. cover this uh, in in a very maybe so deeper way so i think that this when when the actions of
1: dpa depends on their resources for clarifying that up because every networking event every conference i've gone to every time people get together this is a conversation that comes up uh but what what we've heard from ye katarina there all us privacy pros is that it all comes down to the resources because look each data protection authority has a finite amount of resources some might be a little bit better resourced than others and if they are more adequately resourced it means they can then go and do more investigations they can uh, do, do more enforcement actions and they can uh, look look at more companies whereas when you have finite amount of resources given all of the other responsibilities that come with running a supervisory authority uh, you have to pick and choose where to prioritize that finite resources uh, so yeah Katrina I know how much of a difficult job you have to do. And I saw how busy you were when I came to see you for a few days in Latvia as well. One of the challenges that we come across with a lot of our mentees, uh, our privacy leaders, so people who are managing small teams or heading up the function of data protection in the is they all have this um, feeling of overwhelm. And I, I, I spoke to you and I'm speaking to you now, and you have this like air of calm and grace around you what top tips do you have for some of our leaders in the academy uh, that you can share with them on how to achieve this balance of finding peace within the role and also when they're off the role as well so they don't have to feel that overwhelming burnout (laughs)
0: Uh, you know i'm quite emotional person so uh, i feel quite overwhelmed as well Uh, but uh, then you have to say you have to start to talk to yourself what i'm always doing Maybe for other people it's, uh, it will sound a bit weird, but it's very good to talk to yourself. <laughs> and uh, first of all, you have to set the priorities. So yeah. what is your priorities? And uh, second one, uh, after the priorities, you have to set what you will not do. And then you have to be quite honest with, you or with yourself. And you have to be quite brave because it's very hard to say to other people, I will not do it. Uh, because there is some things that you understand that, uh, as you mentioned, you cannot cover everything. So you choose the priorities. We go to the priorities and at least at the priorities, we are sure that we fulfill them uh, as me, as a person, as a leader, as a head of the organization and organization as such. So second one, we say, we say quite honestly and openly that we will not do this, this and this. Uh, and third one, for me, you have to have the balance between the work and and your private life Uh, and in and it's also depends on yourself as I always say I do not work for example on the Saturday and Sunday never ever Mm. because you have to have these two days your brains are go out uh, of your work and uh, and sometimes I'm joking that when I am on vacation or on a Sunday on Saturday I'm blonde lady I do not know nothing data protection. Like, do not ask me. I do not know how to do it. Uh, but then you have like five days when you are very intense, when, when you do the things that you want uh, need to do. And, and as well, I think that you have to also understand that uh, you cannot change any, everything. You cannot do everything. So you have to be content with about what you have done and yeah. do not think about what I haven't done. So switch this uh, focus from the negative to positive and, and be as well pleased uh, about what you have done and your team have done, because uh, without your team, you are also
1: can, you're nobody without your team. (laughs) Wow. Those are some powerful tips. You should write a book on this. I'm sure uh, so so many people will be inspired to buy it. So just to summarize, um, yeah, Katharina, what I've understood um, uh, and what I've learned actually from what you said is, first of all, is you have to talk to yourself. Um, And one of the things I encourage and one of the things I actually do, but one of the things that I I get all my mentees in the accelerator program to do is to journal on a daily basis. And I find that is like a way of you talking to yourself, getting your thoughts out, Focusing on how you're feeling, what went well, what could have been better, what did I learn today and have that conversation with yourself. Um, The next thing you said is you have to get clear on your priorities, like what is more important and what is most important and what is less important. And then once you understand what your priorities are, you have to have discipline by saying these are the things I will not do. And the challenge with that is it's difficult to say no to your colleagues it's difficult to say no to your peers it's difficult to say no to others around you but you have to get disciplined and you have to get good at saying these are the things that i will not do or we will not do and make that very clear and enforce your boundaries and then you said what we need to do is make sure that we are honest and brave right Be be honest with yourself and also have that bravery and that courage to know that you're doing exactly what you need to do based on the priorities And based on how well you've understood yourself. And then you said, this is very important for me, actually, is having that work-life balance, right? And making sure that the the weekends and the evenings are actually free. Because there is only so much your brain can process without it becoming inefficient or ineffective. And by recharging, then you can go and give that boost during the working hours and during your working times and really Mm. focus on doing that deep work that you need to do to get that. Mm. And the the final uh, thing I took away from uh, you, Katarina, was it's about what we focus on. So we can choose to focus on the great things and all of the things that we have achieved, which will inspire us and empower us or we can choose to focus on what we haven't achieved and things that went wrong, which will only uh, break our spirit, demoralize us and lead to more negative consequences. So uh, thank you for those top tips. Um, we're definitely going to have to do a post on that, Jamila.
3: Yeah. Uh, you, Katerina, you organized the conference Personal Data, Future Perspectives that just happened well, a couple of months ago in Latvia. I saw all of Jamal's posts about it. I saw so many people posting about it. Why did you feel like it was important to hold a conference like that?
0: If only this is the second conference in, in a such level and in a such way that we organized first was in the last year when our authority had a 20 year anniversary. When we discussed what we want to do as we are 20 years old, what we want to do, what we want, how we can proceed in the future. Yeah. Uh, we thought that it is in many cases, it's very important to talk about things even not like to got maybe some answers or conversation and have a, a resolving of the problem, but talk about things on the future to understand difficult different opinions, uh, to have this dialogue between governmental, private, between privacy pros and between the businesses, between the scientific uh, things. Uh, talk about some new things that coming into our lives because technology is changing very fast. And we have some new things which are not covered maybe by law or we do not know how to deal with them. So that's why we have this uh, conference, Personal Data Future Perspective, where we try to cover some topics which are quite new Mm -hmm. and on which, for example, we know that we do not have some very straight answers. Yes, no. but. We want to talk about them because when you talk about this, you get opinions of other people. You, you get the broader picture and then you can have this more policy, more better policy approach on this. So that's why we have done two of them. Mm -hmm. And I hope in the future we will do uh, another ones as well. But uh, for the next year, now we are thinking about it. Maybe we have like one year break because if something uh, goes uh, very uh, oftenly, like people uh, get bored of this. So maybe we will last next year. We think the switch off something maybe on the working groups, small working groups for businesses discussing some uh, real practical problems with them. But, or maybe conference, still no, we we still are planning our working plan for the next I, year. I, I vote
1: conference because <laughs> I, I, I'll tell you why, when you, when you do have an annual event, everyone will look forward to it and everyone knows it's a nice chance for everyone to meet up. But push that aside, the conference that you, guys, you, you put together, the guests that you got, the topics that were discussed and some of the conversations I was engaged in and I could hear happening in the networking area is fascinating. And what you managed to do Was to tie the businesses, tie privacy professionals, bring the European Data Protection Supervisor, bring supervisory authorities, everyone on the same playing field. There was no judgment. Everyone was free to ask whatever questions they wanted openly. And it was an opportunity to actually learn and hear the approach and say, aha, that makes sense. So I, I, I would really encourage you to keep doing what you're doing. It was absolutely amazing. And even if you go and look at the YouTube videos, you can see how many people that couldn't attend the conference are actually benefiting from some of the speakers from some of the panel sessions and the discussions that you opened up the floor to were fascinating like i remember i think our panel discussion was scheduled for about however long it was scheduled for but it overran and there were still people I uh, wanted to discuss and it was really, really fascinating. So please, I encourage you to keep doing those because you're bringing great people together. What we just want to do them, we're going to help you this time. Next time you have a conference, tell us, we're going to tell everyone on it on the private Pros. And we want to get more people from around the world into Latvia, into the conference, mm. and really uh, learn as a community of how we can take things further. And how are we going to deal with some of the challenges that we don't even know how well the technology works yet, or even how that technology. works.
3: Thank, thank
0: you for the good words. <laughs> what
3: I'm hearing from Jamal is we're going to have a staff work trip to Latvia next year if you do another conference. So please do; that would be great.
1: <laughs> yeah, we'll come and help wherever we can, yeah, Katarina.
3: Yes, definitely.
0: Thank you. And what was your favorite part of the conference? if honestly as a, for the organizer <laughs> it's hard to find the the better part when, when everything was finished <laughs> you know <laughs> when everything was finished and everybody went home then you have like "Phew, we have done it <laughs> So... plus when jamal was talking that would <laughs> well,
1: i mean we could the sense of achievement the sense of accomplishment and the relief that yes it's all done and there's nothing else to think about anymore we can yeah. just go off high alert isn't it but
0: i for me the good feedbacks after the conference when people said as you said that uh, it was worth it uh, it was interesting oh, yeah. this was the the better like uh, relief for me is the better part for me because then you understand that you
1: have done it
0: in the benefit of the society and the society got this benefit. So you have done your
1: job good. Absolutely. And you're bringing people together. So like, for example, um, I met Anna and Victoria and a couple of others. And since then, we've been speaking and we've been uh, coming up with ideas on how we can better serve people and uh, taking things forward. But if you hadn't put us together, then those things would never have happened. So you have to kind of see this is just the beginning and you're having like a nuclear fission mushrooming effect on the impact that you're making and you know thank you so much for putting not just this one but last year's one together and these kind of initiatives from supervisory authorities they're very powerful because it sends the right message to privacy professionals it sends the right message to businesses and it also sends the right message to other government departments who kind of hide behind you know, gray uh, doors or ceilings sometimes. It's here we are. This is what we do. And we're open. We're open for business and we're we're here to help you. So engage with us.
0: Yeah, you know, it's like like plus points to have the conference next year. Yeah, yeah, okay.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and and I encourage other supervisory authorities listening to this to also think about putting similar things together. Because, look, we have the IAPP that does stuff, and then we have other industry conferences that do stuff, but they're very commercialized. Mm. I I don't mean that in a way to detract from what they're doing, but ultimately, it's from a commercial perspective they're doing that. When you get supervisory authority doing it, you actually have much more clarity and much more trust and belief in that. Like, we're not just going there to see what there is to buy or or where the vendors are, because it wasn't a commercial event at all. It was purely, we are here to give value, we're here to have the conversations, and let's start thinking about these things. Ekaterina, is there anything that you want to share about why you're so passionate about privacy? I think because the
0: privacy is a value and that what i mentioned to you through privacy and for their personal data protection our other rights is influenced and i think that all people are deserved to live in the free world with the free choices and to be free to choose something and so our personal data is a part of us that's why they have to be processed and treated equally honestly and according to the law so that's why I'm working in this field to maybe to show people that uh, your privacy values, it's not about the something to hide. It's it's about you. And if honestly, it's about your right really to hide something and to be your own self and do not open to everybody and to not be influenced by others
3: thank you very much Um, last thing on our podcast we like to ask our guest to ask Jamal a question so it can be anything you can
0: ask him anything if honestly I would ask him why are you doing the
1: privacy why am I doing the privacy yeah why what what is your reason so I have a vision that my baby daughter, Amy, she's going to grow up in a world where every woman, every man and every child will be able to enjoy freedom over the personal information. And for that to happen, every single organization, every single business, every single government department on earth needs to be empowered to adopt honest privacy practices. So I set up the consultancy to do that. And I was like, you know, we're going to go and change the world. But very quickly, I realized it's not going to be even a drop on the ocean, even if I spent the rest of my life. And let's say I lived to about 70 working. What's the retirement age in the UK now? I don't even know. But let's say I worked up until 70 or whatever it is. We would still not be able to do that. But what I discovered is if we bring and create a community of like-minded professionals, if we then help them uh, to be the best they can be and really go out and serve their organizations and their clients, then together we can have a massive impact. And that's what the Privacy Pros is all about, and that's what the Privacy Pros podcast is all about, is about attracting like-minded people so together we can really go and make sure every organization has adopted those honest privacy practices, is treating people's information in a way that's respected, and then eventually every man, every woman, and every child will be able to enjoy freedom over the personal information.
0: This is a very good thing. Honestly, I'm, um, I'm sure uh, you will have a good benefit. And you said it will not be just drop. Uh, even a drop matters, but I think it would yes. be bigger than drop if you will proceed to hold your life till pension.
1: We're already having waves. So the waves are coming in and uh, we can see businesses are surfing those waves. Um, we, I'm so grateful we have over... What is it? nearly 200 people in our community now um, from all over the world who are really pioneering and driving change in their businesses we've got privacy leaders, we've got people looking into getting into privacy and we've got people who have been doing this for a couple of years now so we have the full spectrum of people and we're just attracting more and more like-minded people into the community every day Mm -hmm. and when you come and you do podcasts like this it gives us an opportunity to reach out to more audiences and together we can definitely drive that change yeah Katarina, it's been absolutely absolute pleasure speaking with you thank you so much for making the time to come and speak to us and our listeners and from everyone at the privacy pros academy we wish you all the best and we look forward to coming to the conference in Latvia next year yes (laughs)
0: let's book our ticket (laughs) plus 10 points for the conference if you
2: enjoyed this episode Be sure to subscribe, like and share so you're notified when a new episode is released.
1: Remember to join the Privacy Pros Academy Facebook group where we answer your questions.
2: Thank you so much for listening. I hope you're leaving with some great things that will add value on your journey as a world-class privacy pro.
1: Please leave us a four or five star review.
2: And if you'd like to appear on a future episode of our podcast,
1: or have a suggestion for a topic you'd like to hear more about,
2: please send an email to team at ksint.co.uk.
1: Until next time, peace be with you.